Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Official Charts Take the Hit. My name's Rob. I'm editor of officialcharts.com. And joining me this week from the team is Justin Myers. Hi, Justin. Hello. Thanks for coming back. No worries. How are you Great. doing? How are you doing? I'm okay, thank you. I'm looking forward to this one. Yes. I look forward to all of them, but I'm looking forward <laughs> to this one. <laughs> yeah. But yes, this is a particularly interesting guest this week, yes. I think. Uh, Scott Mills. King of the chart. King of the chart. And that's an unofficial title. <laughs> yes. Let's not, let's not make that official because things could get unbearable. Yeah. No crowns available. Sorry, Scott. So Scott has been host of the official chart show on Radio 1 for, how long is it for now? About a year? Yeah, I think so. But he's, the thing is, the reason why we are unsure is because he's <clears> stepped <throat> in so many times over the years that it feels like he's always been sort of present. He kind of feels like he's show. always been there. Uh, he's very <laughs> yes. much, very much, uh, you know, a, quite a chart, a chart friendly radio host, I would say. He's, he's stepped in a lot when uh, previous hosts haven't been able to do it. Yep. Yep. But now it's properly an integral part of his show on a Friday, which is brilliant. Yeah. So it's the Friday, it's Friday drive time. So it starts yeah. at 4 p.m. It does indeed. And I always I feel like the charts are in safe hands with him for some reason. He's he's such a pop fan. Yeah. Uh, he's a kind of an unashamed defender of pop music, which is good. You need, I think, to be a good uh, chart host because I'm I'm relatively ancient so I've been through a lot of chart show hosts in my time <laughs> have you um oh yeah that's a story for another day <laughs> but I've been listening to the chart since I was about 10 years old probably even younger perhaps and so I've been through a lot of chart show hosts and some great some who was your f- different who was your first or the one you remember kind of being good well I remember the huge I mean, I would have listened to it beforehand, but I do remember the huge launch in the 80s when it went from being kind of, when it was relaunched with Bruno Brooks, I think, on a Sunday. Uh, And it was between 5 and 7 p.m. And I think that was when they actually, um, they had a huge relaunch in the 80s when the chart data was kind of immediately available rather than, because it used to be, the chart used to be announced on a Tuesday. This is in days of old. <laughs> so the last sales day would be a Saturday. The chart would be announced on Tuesday because it took them so long to count up the sales. But then they went kind of digital and online and electronic in the late 80s. And so it was relaunched anyway with Bruno Brooks. And that's when I remember the chart starting to be a big event. So what I was saying in my very roundabout way 
is that the best chart show hosts are those that are really into pop because there's a hell of a lot of pop music in the charts. Yes, yeah, you need to love it. You feel like he really, and especially as well, actually, with Scott, because he stood in so many times, he's waited a long time to be at the helm of the official chart on Radio 1. And now that he is, he seems to be having the time of his life. Yeah. He's loving it. He's really doing a great job on the show, I think. He is. He's... He's, I feel like he's been a bit of a, a constant throughout my life listening to the radio. He's been there. He's been working in radio for about twenty years. Yeah, he's been he's been there a while. He's been there a while, and as well as radio, uh, he gets involved with the Eurovision Song Contest, doesn't he? So he does <sighs> a podcast, but he also does the semi-finals, sort of common commentating. Eurovision fans rival even chart geeks for their passion. Uh, in, they, they will call you out if you get something wrong, like you say. It's, uh, I think, broadcasting to the semi-final audience, you are already talking to the specialists, mm. the experts. They know the stats. They know where this uh, finalist has come from. They know about the journey. A lot of them watch the, um, the country-specific finals. Like, we have uh, our own one. So we have Eurovision, you decide, and so do all the other countries. And a lot of the big Eurovision fans who'll be watching the semi-final have already watched those. So they'll, they'll know these songs very well. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so uh, in the interview, which I did with Scott over at Radio 1, um, he just he just celebrated winning an award, so he was you know a touch under the uh, weather under the weather, but he was still he was great. And we talk about obviously we talk about Eurovision as well. Yeah, we talk about the charts, uh, how they've evolved, and loads of other things. Particularly lots of he's interviewed everybody, so tried to get lots of goss on that. Something you two have got in common, I suppose. <laughs> well, I guess you've interviewed I, a lot of people. I, um, I guess at this point, yeah. But yeah. I feel like he, he's spoken to everybody. Yeah. Um, so we, we talk about that. But just before we get into it, I should explain the format. Oh, yes. Just for any newcomers to yes, the chart, this to is the important. Take the Hit chart show. So I go out and talk to people in the music world, artists, in this case, Scott Mills, and ask them questions based on the UK's biggest selling singles of all time. Of which there is a list on officialcharts.com. Yes. Currently over 160 yep, maybe, songs. Maybe even 170. Well, possibly. really? It could be over 170. I haven't checked, which is great. <laughs> Not done my research. <laughs> but there's a list on officialcharts.com of the biggest selling songs in the United Kingdom. And to get on that list, you have to sell over a million copies, Yes, I believe. And so there are quite a lot of them. It's a great list of songs. Go, some, and, some, go and check it some out. Some tunes on there. Also some songs you might think, that sold over a million? Really? But that's right. Exactly. So... The questions are based on those songs on that chart, and they're decided through a lovely bingo machine, which is starting to look a little weary at this point in the series. It's, you know, it's, <laughs> it keeps breaking. It's worked hard. It's worked hard. And the numbers that they pull out uh, relate to the, where the where song sits on that all-time chart list. So if they pull out number 10, it will the question will relate to the 10th biggest selling song in the UK. Yes, exactly. I don't know what that is. <laughs> but Because um, keep it as a surprise. A surprise, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right, should we, should we give it a listen? Okay, looking forward to it. Scott Mills, hello. Hi. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Yeah, really good. And um, I won an award last night. I, I was about to say congrats, because I just heard that you were out late last night. Yeah, we were out. Um, it was good. It was the uh, BBC Radio Awards, and it's like, nice to be recognised, you know. Um, what was it for? It was for Best Entertainment Production. But then that sounds like a good one to win. I, I think it's good. Um, <laughs> but then we, we were, yeah, I, I'm really pleased. But I thought because I, I, I want to take the award home, 
But then my producers, my producers insisting that we keep it here, and actually, oh. it doesn't even say my name on it. So, could okay, <laughs> so I'm like, okay, fine, we'll keep it. Here. It'd be nice to have a hall of fame at home yeah. where you can put these things. Well, I've got a couple of others. It'd be nice to put, nice to put it next to them, but apparently, it needs to stay here, so it is. But yeah, no, thanks for doing this because. I don't know, it feels I was almost nervous doing this one because you're so used to interviewing people. Yeah, I find it weird, Is being, it weird being interviewed. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> Do you like to be in control? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> but no, no, I'm, no, it's different for me. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm normally the one thinking up the questions and trying to interview people, so yeah, it's, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and you've been on Radio about 20 years now. Radio 1, 20 years, yeah. Oh. So this is second nature. I know. Um, yeah. So it's weird a long if there's time. not a microphone near you. Yeah, it is a bit. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking on the show on the show actually earlier today about what I would have done if I hadn't done the radio, and we I couldn't think of one thing. No. No, it's terrifying because if it all goes horribly wrong, what am I going to do? No idea. That's good because it keeps you going, right? You're right. Like, well, what else am I going to do? <laughs> yeah. So, radio two. Better not mess this up. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I'm glad that it all worked out because. Literally don't know what I would have done. <laughs> you took over the reins of the chart show properly last June? Yeah. Um, but you've like filled in here and there since, before, yeah. that, before that, right? I think, um, geek facts, I only know this because I'm We're a geek. all about geek facts. Right, yeah. Um, I think I'm the person that has, until now, uh, covered the chart show the most without actually being the host of it. So I... <laughs> like a supply teacher. Yeah. My, so my first chart, I think, was in 99. And I remember being so terrified because it's like <laughs> a big deal, you know. It's like something everyone grows up listening to. And I was filling in for Mark Goodyear. And the first number one that I remember announcing was uh, Flying Without Wings by Westlife. We, we had Brian on the phone. Aww. He was celebrating. So, yeah, um, and, I, and then I filled in for it ever since, really. And then when I got the, the, and when I got the chance to host it, I was like, yes. <laughs> I, I, I genuinely enjoy it every week. This is massively putting you on the spot, but your chart intros are really good. I didn't know if you could do some kind of charty intro. It's just sounding really exciting. Um, <laughs> I love that. Do you know the... the <laughs> Why does that excite the, me? The, the guys that made the imaging, the, the, the jingles and stuff that you hear and the, and the music that I talk over um, are so good. And I think that it's given it a real energy. It's something, it's something, you know, that most people wouldn't even think about. But I think, like... I think the chart needs to sound like an event. It always did when I was growing up. And that's what I've kind of tried to uh, emulate now in, yeah. a, in a more modern way. Um, because, you know, you need, <clears throat> for me on a chart show, you need to have like a big open over like this as a thing. And um, I remember as a kid being so excited listening to the Radio 1 chart show. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we tried to bring a, a bit of that excitement to it. And. Um, I mean, there are weeks when the chart hardly changes, um, yes. as you know. Uh, but it's for me, it's it's still the chart that all the artists care about. They do. Yeah, um, it's still a mark. It's still seen as a bit of a marker of yeah. Success. And, and we get a lot of uh, guests on now, and they all, you know, most of them do actually do care about where they are in the chart. Yeah, I guess you've seen various and you've hosted it during various incarnations of what the chart is yeah so I guess it's changed a lot now like you say it's it's more of a consumption chart yeah kind of how people listen to music rather exactly than actually buying I mean when uh, I remember back in the day when I used to do 4 till 7 p.m. 
I remember hosting the first ever download chart. Oh my god! <laughs> yes. Yep. That's when you could first download was songs. Was like 2005? Maybe. Yeah, probably Ish. around then. I think. Um, <clears throat> and uh, and that felt like a big deal because it's like oh, download chart. <laughs> and then obviously since then everything has changed. Um, but yeah, like when I first started doing the chart, it was. Probably just buying CDs. Yeah, yeah, it would that's have been. mad. Yeah, I know. How archaic. Now. I know, right? Um, so if you think, I mean, obviously it's changed so much, um, and obviously now with views involved as well. Yeah. Um, which uh, has changed everything. So yeah, and also I found the chart to be recently actually a bit more exciting than it's been for a while. A bit more um, movement. Recently. Yeah, a bit more movement. Um, the thing is, I guess one of the reasons why people do always seem to have a bit of an opinion on the charts, whether it's a positive or a bad. Mm. or negative one is that everyone has a period I think where the chart was for them they see it was their yeah. the golden years of the chart yeah. so it's different for different generations mm. so yeah. totally well, um, do you, did you ever because you've hosted as well for a long time do you have a memory of it being do you have like a period that's your golden years of the chart or because you host it uh, and you have one and off for a while I think there was my, my probably my favourite was when I first started doing it because it was it was kind of around the time of when pop, when it was okay to like pop music again. Yeah. So it was kind of like 90, uh, uh, 99, so you had a lot of Britney, a lot of Christine, a lot of, so you had a lot of Britney, a lot of Christina Aguilera. Good days. Good uh, days. Yeah, I remember playing Crush by Jennifer Page, <laughs> like actual good pop, and even, especially at Radio 1 at that time. It, 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 I mean, there was a lot of guitars, yes. a lot. Yes. And we, we kind of, we were kind of coming out of that era and going into what I like, which is decent, big happy pop music so um, that's probably why they employed me <laughs> I was kind of, kind of because yeah I think we we shied away from pop for quite a long time yeah. and then uh, so it felt good to be part of that are you ready to play take the hit yes so to explain um, let me introduce you to this wonderfully delicate bingo machine oh this is good um, so <laughs> the questions uh, the questions are based on the biggest selling singles of all time and the Balls that pop out will relate to a song on that all-time chart list, okay. and it will throw up a topic of discussion. Okay, Make cool. sense? Yeah, yeah, I got you. Let's do it. What do I do? Just this. Hang on. Hang on. Oh. Yes. Oh, two. <laughs> okay. So this one. Nineteen. Nineteen. So nineteenth best-selling single of all time is Will Young. Anything is possible. Slash Evergreen. Of all time. Of all time. Number one in two thousand and two. Wow, that was eight million sales. Yeah, that was that was the time when um, Pop Idol was huge. What a ridiculously big moment! <laughs> Didn't it get more votes than the general election or mm -hmm. something? Oh yeah. <laughs> Do you remember? I remember because um, I was working here then. Uh, I remember uh, going outside Radio Woman used to be in the old building down the road, and. Um, Gareth Gates' battle van was there, the battle, the battle bus, bus, where they used to go around everywhere with this <laughs> massive picture of his face on. I know. Um, but if you think about it, that whole phenomenon at the time, because it wasn't like... I felt like we'd never really had singing competitions, or not for not no, in our generation. Not big, flashy, exciting no. like that. No. And it would, I remember it being such an event to watch, and literally it felt at, that, at those times, and, and early days of X Factor, that everyone was watching it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it was event television, so yeah. I, I can't go out. It's a bit like in, um, in Sweden, they have um, 
uh, a contest every year to find the person that to represent Sweden at Eurovision. Melody Festivalen, and seventy percent of the country watch it. So if you go out, in, if you go out for dinner in Stockholm on a Saturday night, which I have done, I'm like where is everyone? And they're just like we're all watching Melody Festivalen. That's what it used to be like with Pop Idol. Wow. Yeah, it was literally it was like you had to watch it, and yeah. and and, and um, I seem to remember being quite gutted when Gareth didn't win. Even though Will was yeah. probably the better artist. Yeah, I remember being a bit kind of I was, confused. I, and I voted. Like that, I, I, there's the first time I've ever voted and the last <laughs> time I've ever voted for anything. Didn't Simon Cowell storm off or something? He was no, not happy. No, I'll tell you that, what that was. Uh, that, well, I probably did. But do you remember... Simon, was it Simon Cowell? Yeah, no, the week, I think it was the year after... Michelle McManus. Michelle McManus and Pete Waterman stormed he off. He did, yeah. Because he was not happy. So he actually, Gosh. yeah. Public had spoken. I know. Um, so my question is, based on this, yes. Um, I'm going with anything is possible. What else is? Is there something you really want to achieve still in your career? Is there something you're still aiming towards? Mm. Not the ever will, but I, if if Graham Norton ever leaves Eurovision, because I already do the semi-finals True. on TV with Ryland, and again this year. If not that I'm wishing you any harm Graham but if uh, <laughs> but if he were to leave then I would like to do the main, the final surely you're next in line for that well you never know you never know these I guess but I think that would be really fun because, be good. there's a pressure obviously. with that job though there is but obviously I've already got the I've, I already do it on the two I mean, a lot of people don't even realise there are semi-finals but there are yeah. so uh, on the Tuesday and the Thursday I actually think that semi-finals are better because you get to see the really bad ones. Yeah, exactly. The, ones, the, that don't, the ones that don't get through to the yeah. final. Bosnia, etc. Always Montenegro. Oh, yeah. But, you know, some of them are deliciously bad. And, um, <laughs> what was sad they don't get through? So yeah, I know. people really see them. So I get to see all, the, all of them. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like I'm kind of... I would be ready for it when that time... If it, if it ever came, yeah. So, speaking of saying you've achieved a lot, one of the things I didn't realise had happened, which I actually forgot about, was that you've had a musical based on your life. Gosh. I forgot that this happened. We were talking about this the other day. <laughs> I'd, I'd forgotten as well. Yeah, That's it was quite a, a big deal. It was a tongue-in-cheek... it was a short run. Yeah, but... it was a short run, three nights. Uh, it was at the Edinburgh Festival quite a few years ago now. But um, we just wanted to do it. Obviously, it wasn't serious. It was like a, like yeah. a, um, a joke. Um, but... It, it, yeah, it, it sold out. <laughs> exactly. And uh, no one was expecting that. Um, but it was so fun. We used to do our show from Edinburgh Festival a lot, and it was literally some of the funnest shows I've done. It's just so good up there. Um, so, yeah, that happened. Um, shall we go again? Mm, okay. Come on. Oh, okay. 82. 82. Was it 28? It's 82. 82 is Ed Sheeran, Thinking Out Loud. Okay. Number one in 2014. Yep. Which I think at the time held a record for longest climb to number one. Really? So it just kind of kept going. So yeah. Child, obviously, when the Wheatley Hound came out. And it kept oh, was it that long ago? 2014, yeah. Wow, okay. 1.25 million sales. Mad. Not bad. Yeah. Um, you've interviewed a lot of people. So my question is, what is the most awkward thing you said or done in an interview or has there been a real kind of howler of an interview? <laughs> um, I remember interviewing Steve Coogan once uh, about his new TV show and he just was not in the mood. And oh, really? we, it was a pre-record, so we pre-recorded it. And um, 
I I think that he thought, which I really wasn't, that I was kind of taking the mick out of him, and I, I honestly wasn't. But I, I something got lost in translation there, and uh, we finished the interview. It was really frosty, <laughs> and they went. I don't think I want that to go out. And I was like, oh. oh, okay. And he was like, please don't play that on the radio. And, oh, I just, no. and then just left. And it was just terrible. things were lost in translation, because I kind of sometimes get it with US artists. Yeah. They don't get mm-hmm. a bit of sarcasm or mm-hmm. something. But isn't he quite funny? Yeah. I, I also have offended Sigrid a couple of times without realising. She's I always think, on Radio 1. Yeah, she's always on. But um, I because she looks so young, we wanted to do a feature on the show where... We, we were going to say that everyone that she, we were going to say that she's eight, basically. Um, so I asked her to say, "Hello, I'm Sigrid, and I'm eight years old." I put this to her, and she was like, "No, I'm not doing that. It's not funny." I was like, "Okay, cool." <laughs> but we get on just fine now. It was just a, a, just just a moment. She's Norwegian, right? Norwegian. So, sometimes they have a different kind of sense of humour. Yeah, I, 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 like I said, that did get lost in translation, yeah. which I didn't explain it very well. And she, and she was like, why is he asked me to say I'm eight? Because I'm not. Uh, it was just a weird, me thinking I was funny, British joke, which didn't really work. Didn't cross the, didn't cross over to Norwegian at all. Yeah, yeah. okay, again? Let's spin again, yeah. Come on. Oh. 22. 22 is Mark Ronson feat Bruno Mars Uptown Funk. Number one again in 2014. Wow. 1.67 million sales. Um, I have a feeling this might have been for me a recent story. Please tell me about the last all-nighter you pulled. <laughs> was this last night? No, it wasn't last night. <laughs> um, probably the Brits, actually. The Brits? But it was late, yeah. It's always a good night. Always good. I went to the Universal Party. Oh, I mean, half a night I was trying to get one of my friends in. It was horrendous. And he lost his ticket. So I was just like, outside oh, waiting, oh, going, please let us in. But it was all night. Yeah, it's, all oh, it's so, so annoying. But, um, yeah, that was the Brits was good this year. Wasn't Sheik playing at? No, Nile Rogers playing yeah, at? Yeah, Nile Rogers. Amazing. And then there was a bit where, because Grimmy was like, come and watch me DJ and Nick Grimshaw. So I was like, okay, cool. So I went in to the party with him. Then I got chatting to people. He went up to DJ. So then I'm chatting away. And the next thing I know, I go up to see him. And I, he's DJ with Mel C from the Spice Girls. <laughs> and she's playing the Spice Girls. So she's playing Wannabe, <laughs> her own song. Right. at the party and I'm like that's just weird yeah. but um, weird things like that do happen at the Brits after shows really that, that Uptown Funk song is a very good record but it does remind me of um, playing corporate gigs oh like, yeah that's like definitely the, a corporate gig like song the, yeah they love well. it do you know what I mean like the, 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 the wedding the, wedding party song uh, the River Island Christmas party <laughs> yeah. it goes down a tree there's men with like swinging their ties around their heads so it yeah. just reminds me of like middle-aged men dancing yeah really. it's the one song they know which is annoying because it's actually a, a cool song it's a really good song yeah you can't, but it's undeniably the, good it's the same though as um, I associate I Got A Feeling Black Eyed Peas also in that bracket because yeah. you can't go wrong if you play it everyone knows it grands know it like young people know it middle-aged people know it yeah. because it's an easy song to know it's one of those songs that just cut through to everybody but if you ever come and see me at your, uh, at your work's Christmas party if I'm playing there They'll both be played, just to let you know. <laughs> but at parties like the Brits, do because obviously people are coming in that radio all the time, mm. do, do people just constantly come up and say hello and have chats? So do you get a moment's um, peace yeah, to um, with a friend? Generally, or? if it's if it's artists, they're 
they're being like pulled here, there, everywhere. So all you can do is go hi, 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 and that's it, and they're gone. Um, that happened yeah. with Lewis Capaldi actually this year. I was just like, oh, can you not stay and talk? And yeah. he was like, no, I've got to go and do this. So you don't actually really see with artists. You don't really see them. They're kind of being dragged around doing various interviews. But it's um, it's fun just to see people um, that you might not see all the time from the industry. You know. Yeah. So yeah, it's a good night. Oh, nice. And have you been to any of? So I've heard this on the grapevine through people at Newsbeat and stuff. You know, we work a lot with you guys at Radio mm. obviously. Mm. Uh, Nick Grimshaw has some infamous house parties, I hear. Mm. <laughs> have you been to any of those? I have. Yeah, I have one. <laughs> like an actually. absolute who's who of yeah. seriously famous people. I think uh, at this one we had Tom Daly, Florence. I can't remember who else, but it was just a it was a beautiful thing. Just watching Florence asking ask Tom Daly about diving. Uh, it was just, it was just <laughs> such an odd combo, and I think I think she then offered. He was like, can, she was like, can you show me how to dive in in, in the bath? And he was like, no. I seem to remember <laughs> don't that do happening. That. No, don't do that, everyone. Um, but yeah, that was a weird party. I've yeah. not been to one for a while, though. To be fair, I don't even know if he has them anymore. They sound lethal. They sound. I don't know if he has them, or whether I'm just not invited. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we spin again? <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, here we go. 56. 56. We were just talking about this song. So the 56th biggest selling single of all time in the UK is Spice Girls Wannabe. Oh, that's weird. Number one in 96 for seven weeks. So this is when I... Oh, and it sold 1.39 million copies. Not bad. Oh. Um, this was the time I properly got into music and pop music. Mm. You know when you establish what you... Yeah. Like, and you kind of buy into artists and stuff. I was completely obsessed. They felt like they were a group oh, of aliens that yeah. just crash landed. And I mean, it, and it was. I seem to remember it was instant. It was just yeah. like, bam! Where did they come from? Yeah. And it was, it was just huge. Like, the first pop band that I remember really for me being that big. Like, yeah. Like it was, it was everywhere. Like there were Spice Girls. Pencil cases, it was a bit like, a bit like One Direction, yeah. same, where it literally there's calendars, calendars, pillowcases, like One Direction mirrors, One Direction chairs, it was like literally everything. Like the Spice Girls were the first people to really, really rinse the merch. I collected the Spice Girls photographs. Amazing. Did you get those? Yeah, oh yeah, all yeah. that. Controversial though, unpopular opinion. Wannabe now, when you hear it, isn't a very good song. It's not aged as well as some of the others. No. For me, it's Say You'll Be There. Say You'll Be There is a, is, a, is a good song. Yeah. To Become One Every Christmas. Still fine. Still sounds good on yeah. the radio. Yeah. Want to be for me, I actually heard, well, I heard it when Mel C like, dropped it oh, at, the, yeah. at, the, at, the, at the after party. But um, I was like, this is a, this isn't aged well at all. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, on the Spice Girls merch, well, actually on merch, with One Direction. Yeah. Um, so they literally did everything, everything as well, didn't they? I got sent One Direction duct tape. I by PR saw and that. I tweeted it, you know, this was years ago, yeah. and the internet went crazy. They're like, where do you get this? Where? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I just literally opened a yeah. uh, posting and just got duct tape on direction. I actually Why saw some. I, did, I hosted a thing with them when they were at their absolute peak, and they flew me to LA literally to host this thing on the internet with them called 1D Day. And it was eight hours of me and them on the internet, and eight, eight hours. hours. And I, I was so jet lagged, so I was uh, I, I was in a daze. 
but yeah that's when I realised how massive they were because we were linking up with people in like fans in the Philippines like it was insane and that one of the stressful. most yeah, it was stressful and also keeping them together they won't mind saying this is, is a handful um, when they're all together and they were much younger then yeah they were much younger and they I don't know like it was eight hours that's a long attention span if you're <laughs> yes. that young uh, so I'm just and there was a lot going on it was like a TV show there was just like everything was happening like Piers Morgan turned up and like oh it was just, it was like so many segments and so <laughs> many fans from around the world but that's when I really realised how huge they were yeah. it, it was in it was in the YouTube building in, in Los Angeles and it was completely locked down so no one no fans would have known where it was by the end of the first hour we're in the parking lot, and obviously in Mount, it overlooks um, mountains, right. and there were, you could see fans in the mountains. Like, how have they found oh out? God. You could see people with like actual binoculars, like trying to see them. Yeah, after an hour. <laughs> so on wannabe. Back to, oh, yeah. Also, good fact. Do you know um, One Direction at the heat? Uh, the, the, do you know One Direction at the height of their fame? The, the fans would always find out where they were what hotel they were in so they were not getting any sleep so they'd be on tour and they'd be like literally there's girls screaming all night outside I can't sleep so they used to take them to boats did they? to get them yeah, because there's no fans I can't get to you so they actually, <laughs> they actually used to sleep on boats what like they used, to, ta- they used to take them lake? out to the, no no they used to take them out to the sea <laughs> and then they would, they would sleep there because, because no fans <laughs> so you get a good night's sleep little P&O cruise ship is there I don't know. I don't know the details of the boat, but uh, there was definitely a boat. Go on, back to so wannabe. Wannabe. Um, we already kind of touched on this earlier, but it was when did you know you wanted to be a radio DJ? Oh. So you started young. Like you Put it this way, I was pretending to be on Radio 1 in my bedroom when I was eight. There was nothing else you wanted? It kind of must be weird for my mum now. <laughs> um, she would be cooking, so I've got a younger brother, so he'd be, we, we had like a little playroom, so... Like the playroom is here and the kitchen's like ne- next door. So I had a, if my brother wasn't out playing, I had a captive audience because he'd, be pl- he'd be playing with his Lego and my mum would be c- c- cooking tea. So that's like, like two listeners. That's massive yeah. for me. Yeah. So, but I'm fully pretending to be on Radio 1 as well. Like I'm saying Radio 1, I've, like, I've literally taken all the jingles off Radio 1. I'm playing them in like proper. Amazing. I'm, I was so annoyed because my brother used to sometimes go out and I'd be like, well, that's half of my audience. <laughs> I used to get really annoyed. The I was like, numbers I was are like, down. Please, What's going on? please stay in. I've got no listeners. But yeah, so that, that long ago. Yeah. So there wasn't really anything else, was no. there, for you? No, absolutely not. Um, and I remember uh, when it came to doing work experience at school, I was like, I really want to do radio. And they were like... Yeah, we can't really sort that. We can't really sort that. Radio stations don't really take anyone. Okay, so I ended up doing work experience at a newspaper for a week. That's okay, still media, but not yeah. what I wanted to do. Um, and then I wrote to the radio station myself, and they were like, "Yeah, come on in." And so I just, I just used to do voluntary work there at weekends. Oh, nice. I used to work on the. So I was still at school. And it was the station. It was the station that I ended up working at. My first station in in Hampshire. Was that so- uh, it used to be called Power FM. That's it, Power FM. And uh, on the south coast, uh, which is now Capital. So yeah, that, so I, I started helping out there when I was fifteen, on the sports show and I knew nothing about sport. But it wasn't really about that. It was about making people tea. And then um, 
obviously got my face around the building a bit and then I was lucky enough to be able to they put me on air when I was 16 so I just finished my GCSEs and, and they gave me shows here and there filling in it's I mean if you listen back now I wish I do have some recordings it's awful but um but <laughs> I don't really taught you, you just taught no but they, I just I just kind of listened to the radio a lot I, I was always listening to the radio so I felt like I kind of knew what I was doing but I used to have an awful voice I just put this voice on to try and sound older <laughs> um but so yeah so with so with a radio voice though because you do have a good voice for radio thanks so you've just been practicing that from yeah, but I think I had this thing for a while where I was like, well, I'd, it's not I'd, I'd never, I'd, right, but I've never, I, I hadn't obviously never talked on the radio before the first time I did it. So I think what you do is you emulate other people. And at, in the, at that time, in the, ni- in the early 90s, there were a lot of DJs that spoke like that. Yes, there were. And um, so I started doing it too, because I thought that would be great. And you can hear my, it was really like this. And the weather, and it was like, why? And I listened back now, and I just talked normally. But I didn't know any different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to have a, a crack at? Have you ever thought, I wouldn't mind giving that a go if I was, had some free time? Um, I'd like to do a bit more TV, but only if it's something that interests me. Um, because... I truly believe there are very few people that are very good on the telly and the radio. Um, and yeah. I'm definitely better on the radio. Um, TV, you, I, used to, I used to do more than I do now because actually it terrifies me. Live TV yeah. is terrifying, yeah. Radio, does not at all. I mean, I get adrenaline, but I don't get... I mean, it's because they, they can see the you. They can see you. Yeah, is it talking um, down to a camera? No, not even that. Cause, Here's the thing, like, now that I've done te- te- telly and realised that I can, I'm kind of okay at it, I never thought I would do television, and I was too shy. Really? Yeah, a lot of radio presenters are actually really shy. Wow, so, yeah, a lot. Um, I thought they just wanted to show off. No, not, not at all. <laughs> a lot of them you meet, and the, and the reason, I think it's because you can talk to loads of people without having to meet them. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. that's what I always think, anyway. So, um, yeah, like, Joe Wiley, like, really shy. Oh, she's yeah. sweet. Really sweet. But, um, yeah, they, a lot of radio presenters aren't as uh, outgoing as you think, and I was definitely one of those. So the, the idea of me ever doing television was, was like, wasn't on my radar. I didn't even think about it. And then the first TV I did, obviously because I started working at Radio 1, was Top of the Pops. Yeah, yeah, and on my first course. one, I had to interview Eminem. <laughs> no pressure. Oh, God. Oh, it was the worst. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I was actually physically sick before. No. Yeah. And it wasn't even live. It was recorded on a... I think it used to be recorded on a Thursday and go out on Friday. But it's just like, oh, God, I'm on BBC One. I'd never done any... I'd never done any TV. And... It wasn't autocue, you had to learn it, so that's quite hard okay, as no, well. That is scary. And then um, I, I really still remember it to this day now. Like, there's all a crowd of people around me, and they just go three, two, one, and this huge camera comes towards me, and I'm like, oh, God, I better talk. <laughs> and I just went, it's still number one, it's top of the pops. And they all cheered. I was like, well, that's one done. Um, but no, I was actually sick before. It's terrifying. Oh. And after I'd done it, uh, the, uh, the adrenaline was pumping so much I went for like a 10 mile run really you know, I couldn't get it out of my system wow like, oh, yeah uh, oh you Man. need to do it you need, we need to come up with a show at some point yeah yeah let's do it get a show yeah, yeah. Well, there should be more music shows on TV anyway definitely it's a lack sounds like Friday night I enjoy that's good actually that is a good show yeah
but it's weird that some of the pots are only on at Christmas now. I know. Because it, it looks a bit like, oh, we've just put this set together. Just a bit of nostalgia. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. no. right. it's not on all the time. Um, shall we go again? What? Oh, no, oh, hang on. Is it this way? Yeah. Oh, no, it's the other way. Is it the other way? I'll master this at some point. 50. Number 50 is Shaggy, It Wasn't Me. Okay. Shaggy, now part of iconic duo Sting and Shaggy. <laughs> what? Have you have you heard this? No. Sting and Shaggy have an album. That's together. not okay. It was Grammy nominated. I should know that. In some way. <laughs> it's your charts host, Scott Mills. It's, well, it's not. It's, it's yeah, not bothered our charts, is it? the charts, no. really. But it's an interesting concept. It really is. I need to yeah, give that a listen. Give it a listen. Okay. <laughs> Um, it wasn't me. It was number one in two thousand and one. That was a really, I don't think it was one of the fastest sellers of all time. Like week one sales, really was massive. I mean, a huge record. Yeah, I think it was like nearly half a million sales in one week yeah, yeah, or yeah. something. It was. I mean, crazy. it's just an instant catchy song, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I reckon he must have made some dollar from that. Must have. Yeah. Must have. I think he would. Um, my question is: Have you ever read a story about yourself that isn't just isn't true at all? Uh, yes. The papers are quite kind to you, aren't they? Yeah, generally, yeah. Um, there was a good one once where it was in the Australian version of Heat magazine. And I had just wow. done a... I know. And I had just done a TV show. I don't know if you remember it. It was when Paris Hilton was looking for a new best friend. Yes. Paris Hilton BFF. It was on ITV2 here, wasn't it? it certainly yeah. was. And they did a, a British version. And I ended up on it with her. She was five hours late for filming. And we did it in a house up in Hampstead in London. And um, it was just like some kind of, it was a big, a big house. It's me and Paris Hilton sat on the sofa. And all these people come in and they kind of, it's like a talent show. They have to do a sing or a dance or whatever. Well, I mean, it took ages. And um, so there's lots of publicity shots of us on the sofa together. About three weeks later, um, one of my listeners sends an email going, Look at what's in Heat magazine in Australia. And I was romantically linked with Paris Hilton. Amazing. Now that's not going to happen for a number of reasons. Um, but I was up there with, like, I think they put like Prince Harry and then some, some other Australian, Australian celeb and then uh, Ready One UK DJ Scott Mills. Really bad, really bad research. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that was quite a fun one. Is there like a, like a common misconception people have about you? Yeah, I think maybe that I'm that I'm I, I'm I'm like I am on the radio all the time. Not you can't be that happy. Yeah, ima- imagine <laughs> if you were. Imagine it'd I'd be, be nice. Yeah, no, I don't think it really would. Possible. I think it'd be really annoying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah everyone's got to have some downtime. But yeah, I think that people expect um, you to be exactly the same all the time, and that's not possible. Yeah, because no. actually, what like on radio. It is kind of a performing, I am me, it's, it's kind of performing and it's like, you don't want to do a bad show and you don't want to do a show where even if you are fed up, you sound it, you, that can't, that's not on, that's not why, you, that's not yeah. why you're doing this job, if, you, you've just got to literally get on with it. And obviously there will be days, technically if you're doing it five, six days a week, there will be days where you're not in the mood or you're annoyed about something, but you just can't do that. I've mastered that over the years. I mean, it's very, very rare that you'd be able, maybe if you know me personally, you might be able to tell. Uh, but a little, a little, little bit there might tells. just be a little bit more sass than normal um, <laughs> like yesterday for some reason I don't know why there was but there was um, and everyone was like what's wrong with you? in the studio it was like what's wrong with you today I'm like off day isn't it <laughs> happens but no I don't think you can tell on the air really also in the theme of the question in the song 
Um, what, when was the last time you did something bad and you got away with it? It wasn't recently, but we did try and nick one of the Brit Awards once. Me and, Greg, me and Greg James, oh God, and we actually did man it. We managed. There's video. There's still a video on YouTube of this. Um, we got it into a taxi, black cab, and then the taxi drivers. But it didn't fit, so it was like hanging out the windows. And the taxi driver was like, "It's not fitting, mate. We're not taking these. They wouldn't take." Oh, wait, it. one of the giant ones. Yeah, a massive one. Ah, oh, we've got yeah. them in our office. Oh, have you? Yeah, they're well, everywhere. We just wanted one. You know, they're really big. <laughs> really big, yeah. Like a, like a taller than an actual person. Yeah. And um, and then it broke in half. Oh. And they were not happy. <laughs> so you've got this picture. Yeah, I actually saw the video again the other day. And the look on my face is like, oh my God, we've broken it. Because they're not cheap. And But then I, also on the video, I instantly blame Greg. <laughs> <laughs> like, look what you've done, look what you've done. And it's like, oh. So we, we work in the same building as the Brits. So Do you? I'm definitely telling the head of the Brits. Well, no, they, I think they know. <laughs> um, I video was, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just remind them, yeah. Uh, should we go again? Yeah. Forty-six. Forty-six is Fuji's "Killing Me Softly," a song. A, a song. A song. Uh, song. Number one in nineteen ninety-six. One point four six million sales. I remember. Um, I was actually on Heart Radio when that song came out, and. Heart being heart as it was at the time, didn't really play any rap. So the version that we played was kind of half the song. So it just literally was the singing bit, just, the, like singing, the, just yeah. the chorus. And it just sounded, I remember it sounded so weird. I've noticed a few stations doing that. They, so, uh, some stations still do it. Yeah. Like you don't, you, you won't hear, um, like they'll just cut out Cardi B sometimes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I've noticed, I'm naming no names for this station, but they cut out the Sean Paul bit in Clean Bandit's Rockabye, which is essential. It's essential. To the song. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I also remember, and this is ridiculous, a station where they cut out Flow Rider from um, Troublemaker by Ollie Murs. Yeah. I mean, it's not a very good verse, to be fair, but, um, <laughs> but don't cut him out, do you know what I mean? Yeah, he took fun. the effort to make the, to make the song, even though they never met. Oh, happens that all awkward, the time. Always, happen, always not, happens not now. Clean, ba- clean Bandit never met a Demi Lovato. No, that's true. Yeah, because you can just record it anywhere, can't you? Yeah. That's why everyone's got every song now has like five people on it, <laughs> featuring. <laughs> I think we've already really touched on this, so we might skip over it probably. But what is the most frustrating, annoying thing about your job? Oh, you have had some killer radio shifts in the past, I believe. Yeah. Uh, well, um, I did. When I first started, when I was 16, I mean, I'm not complaining because it was the job of my dreams, but um, uh, I was I was on one till six in the morning. Nice five-hour show there. Um, and I was kind of the only... I think, I seem to remember, so only after a certain time of night, like about two, the old, the presenter that was on before me would go home, and I was literally there on my own. And actually quite scary when you're 16. Yeah. I was on, in the middle of an industrial estate in Fairham. And um, that was quite terrifying. And um, but also quite exciting because like I was on like five radio stations because they all took the same right. service overnight. So yeah, I f- it felt good. It felt like a little like an overnight club where people were listening. Yeah, radio at that time of day is is kind of hard to do 
but actually it feels much even more intimate because it's mostly people listening on their own in petrol stations when they're working or on shift work or driving an ambulance or you know so yeah. they, they really listen yeah. to the show it's the same with Adele Roberts who does the early show here um, if you ever hear that it's it's a real like club you know yeah, yeah. Um, of people um, so that was that was uh, hard uh, and yeah it, the other bit, bit which wasn't very glamorous was also at that time uh, so I used to do Monday to Friday 1 till 6am and on Sunday I did a show on, a, on their oldies station bearing in mind at the time I was 16 and like, <laughs> what, I don't even know these songs and that was um, that was from 6am till 10 uh, on a Sunday so I, I didn't really didn't really have a life hours. and because I couldn't drive that time I used to like my mum or dad used to drop me off at the radio station and I would sleep on the floor of the studio every Aww. week and then someone would come and wake me up half past five that time for your show so yeah glam times no and also in the vein of the song what is this one thing that really annoys you generally in life so if you've got like a bugbearer something that really annoys you radio stations or presenters that I, I, I hear and I don't feel that they're putting the work in Okay. I, I, I truly believe you're only as good as your last show. And sometimes, not obviously not at Radio 1, but I do hear some presenters on stations and I'm like, you're not even trying, you're literally phoning this in. That annoys me because I, I try and make... And it's so competitive. Yeah, it is. And also, you know, it, actually the industry is getting a lot smaller now and there's a lot less presenter jobs about to happen. So make it good mm. <laughs> and I, I you know I always it's a, actually a self-motivation thing but I always want to make a good show you know and when I hear people who have got good jobs not doing it that well or as be, or I know they could do it better that annoys me oh last one okay let's do it 58 58 <laughs> 58 is Celine Dion think twice oh yeah one of the ultimate ballads I think of all time great it's always not... gets overshadowed by uh, My Heart Will Go On but actually probably a better record yeah mm. I think so. it was number one for seven weeks yeah. in 1994 wow 1.38 million sales um, has there been a moment in your career where you've turned down a really big offer for something and you either wished you had it or you're glad you did in hindsight have you had something come your way and gone um uh, well, Is it like a reality show? Uh, yeah, I, see, see, I I went for a meeting, maybe two or three meetings with um, uh, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, and I and I I think I, I don't know whether it was, I think I said no. If anyone's listening from there and they're like, "Well, oh, we never offered you that job," then I made it up. But I <laughs> but the but I remember th- thinking, "No, I couldn't do that. I'd be too scared." And then Strictly came along, arguably scarier. Because you're uh, yes. dancing on television, but for some reason I felt brave that day and said yes. So I kind of regret not saying yes to it now because I think that if you are terrible at dancing, doing that in front of 13 million people is horrendous. And I would rather eat snake whatever, mm-hmm. or bull whatever, or ants because it's Would easier. <laughs> yeah. It's easier than trying to do a rumba, believe mm-hmm. me. Uh, if you are, if you True. are completely too left feet, which I am, um, I don't know. But I do not regret saying 
yes to Strictly in any way. It was the most fun thing I've ever done. Was it? it looks so, so fun. fun, and the whole thing is so mad. And then I got to do the tour as well. Did you? So yeah, I was the token rubbish one, but oh. fine. Um, it, it, yeah, the crowd was on, but it, but it was. It's the nearest you're ever gonna get to. It's the nearest you're ever gonna get to feeling like a pop star. You go around on a tour bus. There's catering everywhere. I mean, it was just the most fun. Aww. Yeah. So yeah, and but but then, now that I've done that, I don't think the jungle would seem as scary as I thought. I was going to say now you must feel slightly fearless about well, certain things. No, no, I, well, I, I tell you, that, right, since, since I've done that, it's made everything easier. Like I don't really get scared about much. Like even going on stage and hosting stuff, I used to be a bit nervous about, but um, not since that. Because it's terrifying. What a great silver lining to have yeah, that. Yeah, it's actually really good. It's, yeah. it's made me feel much more confident about a lot of things. Nice. Um, thank you so much. Thanks. That was fun. Thanks for playing Take the Hit. No problem. So, Justin, what did you make of Scott Mills? Oh, I felt for Scott there. <laughs> really? Well, you know, when you're feeling a bit rough. Yeah. I thought he handled himself very well indeed. Literally, what he a came professional. Through it. Trooper. Yeah, trooper. That's why. That's why he's the. That's why he's been in the business this long. Although he was, he was, he seemed very up for it. I oh yeah. But you know, and you know, going to work when you're feeling a bit rough is bad enough. But then having to answer questions which you have not seen in advance. Yes, exactly. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. Oh, uh, so what did you think? What did you What did you like about what he said? Well, I, I love that all these years later, we're still talking about Pop Idol. Ah. Oh. I, I know. The the definitive, for me, singing talent contest Saturday night shiny floor show. It, yeah, it definitely holds a, pl- a really, like, a special place in my heart. If oh, I would think back me too. to it. Yeah, it's lovely. I remember where I was so when they announced the winner, and I wasn't actually watching it because I was on a night out. I was queuing up for a... You were on a night out when they announced the first winner of Pop Idol. I know timing was terrible. Um, I was, I was actually, it was a, someone's birthday, I think, and I was out. I was in a queue for a bar, and I was text. I had about a zillion texts came through saying Will won. I cheered, I'm afraid. So I was very <laughs> surprised to hear that Scott Mills was a Gareth Gates voter. Mm. Now I thought that revealing your Pop Idol vote was like revealing your Brexit vote, in that yes. you kind of controversial, you know, very controversial. But um, so he was a Gareth, a Gareth voter. Well, I have to be I honest, shocked. I didn't vote. Right. God, that meant that. Even that sounds <laughs> controversial. <laughs> did you hear the sharp intake of breath? Vote. I was, I don't know, I think my parents were letting me use the phone to, to, to do it. Oh, yeah, it was like a pay thing, wasn't yeah. it? Mo- oh, my parents yeah. were strict about the use of the phone yeah, and things yeah, like my that. my mum was actually. Um, but I would have voted for Gareth, I think. What? I know. I thought in Gar- hindsight, what a like no, but back well, then yeah, I, I was. Maybe he had just appealed to my age group. <laughs> I think I, you know. I think what put me off Gareth was that he was very clearly marked out by the panel as the front runner. And, yes, uh, and you know, Will wasn't. Um, I'm fascinated by the fact that Scott is is after that Eurovision job. Yes, yeah. I think he would be good. I think he'd be great. I think the semi-finals is a real good training ground for such a gig. Yeah. I do love Graham doing it, and Graham does feel like a natural successor to Terry. Absolutely. I think Graham's really, you know, he's found his balance now. I think he's, you know, he's not just retreading what Sir Terry used to do. Yes, Sir Terry. But he... Um, He's really made it his own, but I think I think I think Scott could do exactly the same. 
Yeah. Him or Rylan, really. Yeah. I wanted to ask him, obviously, lots about people he's interviewed. And my God, did he deliver on the gossip. I, I particularly loved the sort of retelling of the marathon One Direction interview, which I completely forgot about. Until no, I remember that. I completely forgot until he talked about it. I was like, all coming screaming back to me. It's so bad funny how things have moved on so fast. So I think that is about, is that about five years ago? Was yeah, it, t- was it, it would have been. It was around the, the, like the third or fourth album. The third album, I think Longer it was. than that even. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. I remember that happening. And it's, it's interesting how far technology has moved on. Because if I remember, it was kind of seen as this really weird thing to do and you know, yeah. people are going to tune in. But now it's completely natural to go onto YouTube or anywhere, really, and watch someone do yeah. pretty much nothing for eight hours. A pioneer of awkward yeah. live interviews <laughs> online. Yes. Just and, never end. Yes. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about the very controversial uh, front page headline that should be a front page headline that Scott Mills thinks Wannabe hasn't aged very well. Wannabe by the Spice Girls as well, just to clarify, like there is any other Wannabe. Exactly. So it, it tends to be a lot more controversial than I thought this. Yeah, I, I'm... Say You'll Be There is definitely the one. That agreed completely. But and Wannabe is the lead single. It's the... It's such a statement. I... I have to say, for the time, because I remember Wannabe coming out and being this huge thing, it's never sounded contemporary. There was nothing else on the radio like Wannabe in 1996. Yeah. It sounded weird, and it sounded both, like, old school and yet from the future. It's never mm. really sat that well. You know, we look back now with hindsight and think, oh, yeah, that was like, the pinnacle of the 90s. But it wasn't. There, wasn't. there weren't really any songs like it at the time. And there still haven't been, have And there, there still really? haven't been, really. A few. You can't box it into a, so- a, a category of music and go, oh, it's kind of that it sound It almost of the defies 90s. genre. Yeah. Like, Say You Be There is very heavily R&B influenced from yeah. the kind of music that was done at the time. And it's a brilliant song. But Wannabe is Wannabe. And I think to say it's aged badly, well, I... Well, no, he said it doesn't sound that great anymore. Sorry. Um, but <laughs> you're, not, you're not mad about it. I, I, take that, I take that really personally because it's, 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 it transcends time. Mm. Um, on that note, thank you for joining me. Justin. Thank you for having me. And thanks to Scott for playing Take the Hit with us. Yes, thank you very much, Scott. So you can see the list of all yep. the biggest selling singles I'll in the UK that. on yep. officialcharts.com. Uh, please do send us in any uh, ideas for questions you might have based on that list. Keep it clean. These are actually going to be asked to real live people. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl, yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.